and welcome to episode six of Oblong Desk, where we are now looking at Now 25. And joining me, John Tyndall, to do that is Noakes. Hello. Hi there. Yes, we've made a rod for our own back by making the Hits Ones uh, a regular show because the numbers in the Now albums don't correspond to the number of Oblong Desks, do they now? So we're doing Now 25 on show six. We could have made that easier for ourselves, couldn't we, really? I almost got slightly ocd about that and i thought <laughs> no no it's fine let it go let i am it go. i am okay? far too ocd but you know well you've got to have a system so that's what we're going to do and as we do other things it'll all fly out of sequence anyway i'm sure um i'd like to have a little chat with the listener about our uh, exciting website that i've been jazzing up over the last couple of weeks uh, if you go to oblongdesk.podbean.com there's now stuff to do as well as playing the episodes that we've already made you can have a look at the history of Obelong Desk, how it all started uh, there's a little bit about us if you're interested through our lives and why we think we're justified in sitting here and talking to you about these songs and also we've been choosing our favourite hits and our things we think should get Warnocks and things that should have been on the albums as well that weren't, then look what you could have won. We've made a little bit of a list of that, just to catalogue things up there, which you can then go and have a look at. And if you head to our Facebook page, we're going to run some polls and you can vote for which you think is the best out of those. And we'll have a bit of a competition and see who's got the better taste in music. (laughs) Yeah. Are we sure we want to take on the listener? They may win. Who knows? It's always interesting to find out um, in this world of 360 degree feedback what people think about stuff because otherwise you're just shouting into an empty box yeah absolutely we'd love to hear from you exactly what you think um i suspect the uh, the warnocks may be the uh, subject of most conversation i would imagine yes yes i imagine so we are making some controversial choices and i don't think today's is going to be any different now 25 what's coming up Noakes? now 25 was released on the 2nd of august 1993 and it covers the uh, spring early summer period um also my last term at university so a lot of these songs really resonate with my temporary end to my time in Nottingham. More on that in future desks. Uh, There are 35 top chart hits here, so I'm a bit on the stingy side. 17 on disc 1, 18 on disc 2. The cover is uh, a cloudscape with the Now logo floating serenely above it indicating summer, presumably. Although I don't remember the summer of 93 being particularly nice and warm, but I could be wrong. Four number ones on here. Two thirds of the available uh, chart toppers in that period the other two will turn up on now 26 um i think they were probably a bit late because of rights issues and there's at least one of those two will be on a future hits album and that might maybe and that may be why it didn't turn up here it sounds like we've got plenty to be getting our teeth into and we shall start with track one on disc one uh, which is George Michael and Queen and Somebody to Love and I don't think you have to be a genius if you've been listening to previous desks to work out what I think of this now lots of people like George and lots of people like Queen and I'm magnanimous enough to accept that you're all wronger than a very wrong thing about that but that's your decision I don't like this at all 
Well, I think it's uh, it's a really good vocal. Um, and I know it's not the most brilliant comparison in the world, given how, I'm sorry, pretty terrible it was, but the Freddie concert featured an awful uh, lot of bad vocalists, um, not least of which was Axl Rose murdering everything that uh, he could find. Um, even David Bowie went a bit bonkers that day, of course, doing the Lord's Prayer. So um, it's a very, very good version of the song. And it was number one for several weeks, so you can see why it's here. And, of course, it's got Queen on it. Well, the remaining members of Queen on it. And uh, Queen always have this one track one, so it was bound to happen, I'm afraid, whether you like it or not. And you know what? It's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, The biggest problem I have with it is a very pedantic thing, and people are going to now go, oh, for goodness sake, but... Do you know that bit where he goes, I want to see every single person, I want to see every single pair of hands? Yeah. Well, pairs of hands don't, aren't, they aren't, there's something about the single and the pairs that annoy me. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> there's lots of pairs of hands and he can't possibly see them all in the crowd. It's just, it's another reason why I don't like George Michael. Yeah, he doesn't specifically ask you to move them together in a clapping motion. So it would have been funny if everybody in the crowd had just held up both hands, looking confused, going, why am I doing this? Looking as if I'm surrendering or something. Um, but uh, but but that <laughs> they never They wouldn't happened. do that. They wouldn't do that because they like George and, uh, and they've all and been. You don't. Yes, we've as we've established. Um, yes. Oh, track two. Uh, it, it's our earliest one yet. Yes, we're going to hand out a warnock very quickly to uh, four non-blondes uh, for their effort. What's up? And I'll tell you what's up wailing hay in various ways does not make a good chorus i kind of like country music as a general rule far more than you know somebody who's a suburban brit who isn't a redneck should do but i don't like this at all and i i I think it's the way it's sung it's not sung very well at all but yeah that chorus oh just horrible yeah, and it's it's that weirdest of things, a song that I think almost everybody liked at the time, and, you know, that's reflected in the chart because it got to number two, that almost everyone I know hates now. And it's not even uh, that it's taken, you know, 27 years to do that. It turned around so quickly. People loved it when it came out, and, I mean, I was as guilty as anyone playing it on URN an awful lot. Um, and then within a month, I'd never wanted to hear it again. Um, it's it's very rare for a song to have that kind of effect. Um, and uh, they never had another hit. There was a follow-up called Spaceman. Uh, that got to number 55. And then the uh, singer went on to write loads of songs for other people, didn't she, as I recall? Well, it's having a Warnock. And it's having the Warnock for this album because there's simply nothing else, I think, that's, as you say, as over kind of hyped at the time and then fell off a cliff and i think you know it's remembered for all the wrong reasons uh, and stations still occasionally play it now yes, they do. in the mistaken belief that oh it was popular it must still be good and i don't think and you don't think it is uh, track three then let's move on to tina turner and i don't want to fight 
Oh, sorry, I don't wanna fight. Wanna, yeah, get it right. It's a bit like Fang yeah. all over again, isn't it? We're into the wanners now. It is. Um, it's uh, it's all right. This co-written by Lulu, which annoyingly means she gets some money from uh, from this, but not from us mentioning that. Hopefully, um, I think it's it's a decent enough song. I mean, I'm not a massive Tina Turner fan. I don't think anyone would be surprised to hear that. She does the odd good song, and this is one of the better ones, I would say. Um, I think she's at her best when she's doing the rockier numbers uh, and going for it in that way. Uh, For me, this is a little bit middle of the road. As you say, there's nothing desperately offensive about it, but I don't want to fight to listen to it. The same cannot be said, thanks. The same cannot be said, however, of our next track, which we're all going to listen to. It's the third biggest selling single of the year. It's Ace of Bass. Track four on now 25, which we're reviewing on this edition of Oblong Desk. All that she wants from Ace of Bass, another of our chart toppers. And what a song. It's just infectious. It's really simple, but it's got delicious harmonies and excellent use of saxophones. Sometimes saxophones can be an issue in song, but they do it really well here. There are those who dismiss it as a bit novelty and a bit rubbish but for those people i would argue and counter lady gaga no less cites ace of bases as an influence and she's really cool so if she likes it i'm happy that they were credible at the time and my liking of it which was which shows no signs of dissipating is justified does she really who's going to argue gaga. with me yeah I she does yeah oh, yeah. Wow. yeah okay yeah well fair if enough. you listen to her stuff you can absolutely hear it you can in some songs, I would say, yeah. I mean, there's something about the Swedes, isn't there? They do pop very, very well. We've already had Roxette and ABBA before. Not Beyond Again, they were Australian, they don't count. Uh, well, they don't count in many ways. Um, but uh, Ace of Bass, I liked most of the stuff they did. Certainly the uh, singles off the first album, Happy Nation, bar the title track, were all very, very good, I thought. Um, and... It's weird to think, though, at the time, although this was a you know big seller, as you say, big favourite at URN again, got a lot of airplay, was a number one in the hit list top 30, fact fans. Um, and uh, I think we all thought there'd be one hit wonders, though, didn't we? I remember doing a comedy feature, it, it wasn't funny, listener, where I, on Nick Lohman's show, hi Nick, if you're listening, um, I did a rundown of lots of European charts from around the world with... Uh, suitable comedy accents uh, these were different times remember and uh, in in every one the follow-up single wheel of fortune was also in the top 10 as well as all that she wants and we were thinking oh that's funny you know thinking oh those these european bands they come over here have one hit and they'll they'll never be back in our chart again and ace of bass went on to have loads so many in fact that there's a i think it's a nine disc box set uh, which is coming out round about now featuring everything they ever did should you be uh, interested in that you might be yourself john i don't know that i necessarily want nine discs of Ace of Base. I think the singles uh, are enough, aren't they, really? The singles are enough, yeah, yeah. So, uh, a palpable hit from us then as we move on to track five, which is uh, another huge song, Gabrielle's Dreams. Mm 
Yeah, absolutely a huge selling song, uh, straight into number one. Um, and uh, do you remember when you did the chart for me one week when I was off revising or doing exams or whatever? And because I was and possibly still am a control freak, I insisted on sitting in when you were getting the sales figures from Arcade Records. Chapel Bar, not I can remember that one and only chart that I did. Listener, there is a reason why I don't do charts, and it's not because I can't <laughs> count it, because I can't count and read out fast. Uh, so uh, my, my, my style was always a little more laid back than the chart required. Uh, yeah. But I did do it for one week only. In a kind <laughs> one of, uh, week only, yeah. And it was the week when this came out. And I, and, uh, I can't remember the exact figure, but when the um guy from arcade records i can mention them as many times as i like because they don't exist anymore um when he did the sales figures over the phone he said something like i don't know 93 or i've got 93 in my head because we're doing songs from 93 but it was of that order it was in the 90s or maybe just over 100 or something as i recall and my instant reaction was double check that (laughs) because i just didn't believe it yeah i can remember distinctly the fact that you know sort of we sold three of this and one of those, yeah, yeah, and seventy-four of those, and it's like, and yeah, I can remember you going, no, that can't be right. <laughs> but yes, it was phenomenal, wasn't it? Straight into number one. Uh, having said that, Gabrielle's voice never did it for me, and dreams it kind of just wafts along. Yeah, it was never a favourite of mine, I have to say. I mean, it's perfectly fine, and and we'll hear many more Gabrielle songs in future now albums, whether whether you like it or not. She's a, she becomes a mainstay after this, into the 2000s. But uh, yeah, it's not terrible. It's not particularly one of my favourites either. It's If I hear it on the radio, it's it's not one of those. I'll sw- you know, I'll switch it off, but yeah, it's kind of all right, I guess. Even the special place in my heart for that one chart that I did doesn't rescue you. Yeah, no, I'd have preferred a different song. <laughs> I wouldn't have preferred the next track, though, <laughs> uh, which is uh, Lena, Lena Fiagbe, uh, and You Come From Earth. Uh, racism's bad, okay? Uh, the sentiment of the song is laudable, absolutely. And the lyrics are good laudable and could have been written by a reasonably literate seven-year-old. The tunes, it's like sweepingly earnest, you know, she obviously means this, Yeah. but it just feels like it's been done, you know, like Fisher Price, my first protest song. Yeah, it's it's very odd because this was her first single and um, the one that we'll be listening to on 26, which was her one and only hit. Um, is a song about the environment. So it's almost like she was ticking off big issues one by one. The thing I'll say about this is that it did get a lot of hype. So although it wasn't a hit, it got to number 69, um, and that's as far as it got. And it was on this album as a pre-release, so it was one of Ashley Abrams' less successful punts. The first non-hit we've covered, actually, since we started Oblong Desk. It was presumably expected to be a hit because it had a fair amount of hype. It was on U2's record label, which was also so mentioned at the time the really strange thing is when you listen to the vocal on this um it sounds very different from her hit it almost sounds like a different person singing i'm not sure why that would be but in every way vocally and musically this does absolutely nothing for me fair enough then we'll park that in history and move on to track seven it's rem and everybody hurts we're not playing it because you know it and you probably played it to death yourself uh, if you want to go melancholy you go with arpeggios that's the musical trick they've pulled here there's a reason it gets played so much it's very powerful it's very beautiful and i'm not the biggest fan of michael stipe's voice but i think it really suits this so absolutely happy for it to get hammered to death 
uh, as an REM classic. Okay, well, there were, there were many, many singles from Automatic for the People. Um, I should have written this down. I didn't. I'm going to say seven. I think it was seven. Not all of them were hits. Um, this was the only one that went top ten. And um, I'm afraid, as much as everyone loves this, I just find it very, very boring. So uh, it's not a favourite for me. It hasn't tweaked your heartstrings. No, it's the kind of stuff that often does. Uh, like you say, the way it's put together with the, the melancholy there. It, it, it's the kind of thing I would usually like, but I don't know. It just it doesn't work for me, perhaps because I associate REM with slightly quirkier stuff, like The Sidewinder Sleeps Tonight uh, okay. or Near Wild Heaven or, or one of the kind of nicer kind of upbeat songs, I suppose. Track 8 is New Order's Regret. I'm going to put my cards on the table. I don't think New Order are as good as New Order think they are. <laughs> well, Peter Hook thinks they're the best band ever, probably, and that's why he well, exactly. he wants the name back. Yeah, I, was yes. I was listening to an interview with Hookie very recently um, where he was basically explaining to me how great Joy Division had been and how fundamentally crucial to the world that we live in today joy division were and not just a kind of indie band who had a couple of hits and then a very unfortunate suicide i think he needs to get out a little bit more and see that that there is a world out there that doesn't revolve around new order Uh, and while he's doing that he might be able to pen a few better songs regret is the the epitome for me of an average guitar band doing an average song okay it's okay I uh, I I like New Order more than you do. Although I totally agree around the the cult that seems to have developed around Joy Division. I was reading an article myself not so long ago that claimed that you know every single alternative or guitar-based band afterwards owed a debt to Joy Division, which is clearly absolute nonsense. Um, and I I don't think many people actually believe that. And I don't think any of the remaining members of New Order, which is all of them except for Peter Hook, um, would probably necessarily agree with that either. But, um, yeah, it's okay, this. Um, This was the one that had the utterly random Baywatch top of the pops appearance you may remember they uh, they turned up on the Baywatch beach with um, most of the cast uh, there in the background which made no sense whatsoever um, this is probably my least favourite from the big hits off that album the album was Republic wasn't it I preferred Ruined in a Day and uh, World The Price of Love they were better singles but they weren't as big uh, in terms of chart positions as this one, because this was top ten. So this is the one that everyone remembers. It's it's again. I'm saying this a lot today. It's all right, but it's not their best work. Let's play something else then. And um, a first solo number one for a very big artist who failed to get onto track one.
That is track nine from Now 25. It's Living On My Own by Freddie Mercury. It's a remix, but it never really officially was called that on the single, and it's not on the the Now listing either. Uh, It's a remix of a number 50 flop from 1985. Now, you may think this was a no-brainer to be on here because it was a number one hit, but... Um, it was a pre-release song, so it was by no means guaranteed to be a massive hit. So we're we doing a mini, mini triple A for Ashley Abram here. Mini Ashley okay, Abram let's, applause. Let's, let's, let's there was. I mean, you, yeah. you'd think Freddie Mercury. Of course, it was going to be a big hit. But let me put before the jury in my defence, which was released just before Christmas '92 and was flagged up as being oh yeah this is a a front runner for christmas number one and it got to i think number 10 or something like that and frankly wasn't very good i mean this is miles better than that but based on recent chart performance there was no guarantee that this was going to be a big hit and i liked it then and i still like it now this is one of the best tracks on this album i think i'm quite a fan of it you have to wonder whether it was the Belgians who remixed it that made it so and made that difference or whether it was that the the sort of growing cult around Freddie but as you say they tried shoving other stuff out and it hadn't worked so I think maybe a combination of both things um but possibly a surprise to go all the way to number one it's very well put together this remix because they haven't flung loads of really um, nasty beats on it or anything. I obviously it's it's dancier than the original was. That goes without saying, but it hasn't got that dated '93 sound. I don't think that a lot of the other dance tracks on this album have. It sounds a bit different. They've reworked the way the song sits together compared to the original. It is genuinely a better version than the original. Um, I was a bit surprised when it got to number one myself, but um, you know, '93 uh, was not a brilliant year for number one hits I would argue so um, I think it's fair enough that it sits in there track 10 Uh, is uh, so close you know if you could hand out two Warnocks an album I think we would do Um, but it's Gloria Gaynor and I Will Survive a song that is not from 1993 at all Uh, I tell you what makes this so risible is this is one of those classic songs. You get a group of drunk women who start karaokeing it really, really pointedly at men who they've previously had no problem with all evening, and they suddenly get together. Hey, sisters! Yeah, all men are revolting and horrible. Glorious, so right. I don't need you. And then about five minutes later, they're usually throwing up in the queue for a taxi home. <laughs> are you speaking from experience here? By the way, <laughs> sounds like you are. Could possibly comment. Uh, on the plus side and the only saving grace of this song it's not a bad disco thing but on its main saving grace is that it gave us supreme by robbie williams which i think is infinitely better and a very very classy piece of music it is actually yes it is it's one of the better robbie songs i i would uh, i would agree with you there um it's one of those this that i call a housewife classic for exactly the reasons you just described um I have grown to hate it more as the years have gone on since it was number one in 1979 when it wasn't anywhere near as ubiquitous as it is now. Um, It was Phil Kelsey did this remix and actually, a bit like the Freddy one, it's not a bad job. It's okay, the remix. It's probably not as good as the Freddy one, not as well thought out. But, you know, it's kind of the opposite of Freddy in that I hate it 
and it uh, turned a big hit into a slightly smaller one as opposed to a non-hit into a number one. So, uh, yeah, it was very close to getting the Warnock, but I think on the basis that most of our hatred stems from the original rather than the remix, we, we, um, we just... We just avoided it, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. Do you want me to read the next song title out, mate? I would love you to do it because you do it so very well. Track 11, Sweat a la 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 long from Inner Circle. See, that's years of chart experience. That's years of practice. I can only presume that Inner Circle are going to make girls sweat by managing their wholesome fitness regimes. uh, And this is some sort of precursor of a Joe Wicks workout. uh, Because otherwise, the line... And when you cry out, I'm going to push it some more. Starts to sound like an entire pepper spray moment, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, me too. Yes, Um, it's... um, No means no. (laughs) No means no. It's it's another one, not a remix this time, a re-release. One of our favourite things. Got to number 43 the year before. I remember seeing it in... um, a different shop in Nottingham, uh, Selector Disc. Remember that? They don't exist anymore either. Um, and I misread it and thought it said a la-la-la-la song, which kind of made no sense. Um, but had I bought it then for 50 pence or whatever it was in the bargain bin, it would have saved me a bit of money. But then also I would have been a bit crazy because it's not very good. As far as the reggae songs of 93 go, of which there were seemingly thousands, it's not the worst. You you have to ignore its lyrical content and you have to put it in the contextual times that they, particularly the reggae scene, seem to occupy at that point uh, and say that if you just listen to it as a piece of music and don't try and ascribe any meaning to it, then you can probably do whatever you do to reggae songs to this one and it's not unpleasant. Um, a similar thing can be said, I think, of track 12, which is uh, Chacodemus and Pliers and Tease Me. Yeah, I, I've never been a fan. I mean, we we are rather unfortunately going to get to cover all their hits in consecutive Now albums from this one onwards, apart from Murder, She Wrote, which is the only one I like, wasn't a massive hit, admittedly, didn't make the top 20, um, was originally released before Tease Me, which is probably why it's actually quite good. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we're just going to be covering all the rubbish ones, unfortunately. I, I'm not a fan uh, in any way whatsoever, I have to say. No, I like it certainly a lot less than the Inner Circle one. What's your view on historical misogyny in pop? Should we let it go, or is it time to tear down the statues of Inner Circle, Shakademus, and Pliers? Yes, we can cover serious things on our blog desk. In your face, news night. Also, send us your suggestions of things that are less important than Joy Division, according to Peter Hook. I'll start you off with the collected works of Shakespeare. At the Oblong Desk finds us on social media. Coming up, Noakes reveals his best chat-up line. I worked out the average chart position of the tracks on disc two of this album. What do you reckon it was? I reveal mine. You know how some people get older and it, it goes. And we review more top hits from now 25. That's all after a taste of track 13 from Luchi Lu and Michi Wan. Tell 
We are reviewing Now 25 on this edition of Oblong Desk. We've got to track 13. You just heard a little segment of it. That was Shout It Out by Luchi Lu and Michi Wan. And I think, John, you're more qualified to talk about this than I am because you were a big advocate of this, I remember, when it was out. What they've done with this, I think, is absolutely genius. Uh, it's, you know, you slow it down. You, on, on the face of it, it's just take a classic and throw in a rap. But it's so much more than that. The rap's really intelligent. It's exactly the opposite of what we've just been discussing with our two previous songs, in that it's very, very me too. And they give the whole song a, a fresh vibe. I think it's just a thousand times better than the original, which I didn't mind in the first place. I'm a massive The Isley fan Brothers one, you mean, yeah? Rather than You Know Who. We won't mention her again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it uses a bit of... Um... Dwayne Eddy's Peter Gunn, doesn't it? I think in the guitar bit. I wonder if they get a credit. I'll have a look. Probably not, I'm guessing. Uh, was that written by Henry Mancini? Yes, he does get a credit. I think it was. He does he get a credit. So yes, there you go. They've been good boys and girls, and they've uh, they've credited their sources, which is always a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of don't mind it. I was never a massive fan. It's better than Chakademus and Pliers. Um, it's pretty much slap bang in the middle of this reggae section, isn't it? I think so. Uh, yeah, it, it's okay. Um, <laughs> controversially, I think out of the f- uh, four reggae tracks actually we've got here in a row, I think the next one is probably my favourite. I don't think it's going to be yours. Uh, the Maxi Priest bit of Shabaranks and Maxi Priest's House Call, which is track 14, actually isn't that bad. It's a, yeah, it's a decent slice of soul slash reggae. And then you've got Shabba who just sort of wanders in and he <laughs> chats and occasionally mentions that he's Shabba. Uh, it's quite a, kind of an early warning system for the ladies, isn't it? Shabba's in the house. <laughs> yes. uh, a bit like In the Circle. It's another one that was kind of cashing in on the reggae bandwagon by being reissued. Got to number 31 in 1991 when reggae was really, you know, hardly ever in the charts. Um, this very slight remix well done to you if you can tell the difference because I can't made the uh, top 10 and the thing that always makes me laugh about this is when Shabba's going loafer at the end because he's obviously saying lover but the way he says it makes it sound like he's going loafer which just makes me think of Shabba with his feet up uh, on the hammock loafing around which is probably what he did when he phoned in his contribution to this I suspect but I like it oh well you know each to our own Let's play another song then, which is the second comeback single from Duran Duran. It's Come Undone. Duran Duran, Come Undone, track 
15 on now 25 and this was the one that really sealed it for me in terms of their comeback i liked ordinary world i thought that was a brilliant track but this one is even better in my opinion it's um it's good in the way that rem doesn't quite do it for me in that it's quite laid back melancholy um different subject matter but it's um yeah i think it's one of their finest songs i have to say I think it's absolutely on a par with Ordinary World. I slightly prefer the melody in that. But yeah, like you say, it's just really hugely classy stuff. They've obviously put an awful lot of time and effort into the whole album. And uh, this single, yeah, is very little to criticise it for. I like I like it lots. I think it's got some really powerful melody in it. It's got some really nice chords. It builds beautifully. And there's something about the way that particularly Simon Le Bon sings this. He's, his voice has really sort of matured, obviously, inevitably. But you know how some people get older and it, it goes a bit. I think it just sounds probably at its best around this period. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, the biggest disgrace about this is that it wasn't a top 10 hit. It it should have been, definitely, Um, but uh, just fell short, sadly. But uh, very, very glad it's on here. Always likely to be, given that Duran Duran were on Virgin EMI, I think, most of their recording career. But uh, yeah, good good choice, that. Track 16's not bad either, and uh, another person... Another person who's had a bit of a career, it's Woking's finest, Paul <laughs> Weller and uh, <laughs> Sunflower. You know, there's a tribute to Paul Weller in the Woking Pizza Express, famous now for other reasons, for <laughs> yes. its um, non-appearance of Prince Andrew. But actually before that, its biggest claim to fame was that Paul Weller had been in there. Uh, he actually had. I'd been for a meal there as well, but uh, not to dodge any dupe. There, there was nothing going on nothing elsewhere going on, that I and had they to haven't... cover for. And they haven't taken a picture of it to commemorate it either. Back to this, which uh, Sunflower's got a bit of a Stone Roses vibe going on there. Uh, I'd argue that being about four four years late to that party isn't a bad thing here because Weller does do it really well. It's got a a nice Manchester-y feel to it, but Weller's got some really powerful stuff. He knows how to write a song, let's face it. And uh, I think what results here is very pleasant indeed. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I think, I don't know what you think about this, that um, his pre-Britpop solo stuff was probably the better stuff. So I'm talking, you know, stuff up to around 95. Um, I really like Sunflower. I think it's one of his best solo songs. After, um, what was the one I liked? Oh, You Do Something To Me, that was a good song. After that, it all got a bit Cult of Weller, uh, we were talking about Joy Division earlier, but goodness me, Weller's even worse for, um, you know, cult fans turning up and worshipping as if he's some kind of god when he hasn't done anything decent since about 95, 96. Um, and then he was regarded as some kind of Britpop god and could release anything and get in the top 10, top 20. Um, this is a very good song, though. I like it lots. As can be said of the next one, which is uh, track 17, we're going to hear a bit of Kingmaker, 10 Years Asleep. Don't care. 
That's the final track on disc one of Now 25, which we're talking about here on Oblong Desk today, and that was 10 Years Asleep by Kingmaker, another URM favourite. They turned up to do one of the hall parties, as I recall. Don't think it was that year, might have been the year after. Um, and that was one of two number 15 hits that they had. They never got higher than that. This one maybe should have been top 10 as well. Yeah, it's a powerful, energetic and thoroughly credible bit of indie pop. I think maybe they suffer from being one of a tumultuous amount of bands that were doing very similar things. But yeah, like you say, this this one is a cut above most of the stuff that was around and I think probably did deserve to do a little bit better. Yeah, and again, it's nice to have it on here. These, uh, these nows um, should be a snapshot of the time. Um, and as we move from disc one to disc two, that's very much the case because a lot of people call this the worst now album ever because of the vast number of obscurities on disc two. There are lots of songs that didn't do brilliantly in the charts. There are a couple that didn't even get in the top 40. Uh, I think it's very unfair because the ones that are lesser hits are generally, not all of them, generally pretty good. I worked out because, you know, things to do, um, the average chart position of the tracks on disc two of this album, what do you reckon it was? Have a guess. Ooh. Well, let's just have a quick shufty down here. I'm going to say 23. Uh, actually, you're being a bit pessimistic there. there. There are three top ten hits on here, only the three from 18 tracks. But there's quite a few that landed in the kind of teens and around that mark. So it's just shy of 20. Just under 20 is the average chart position on here. But I suspect that if you did the same thing for disc one, which I, I didn't, I probably should have done for comparison purposes, slap on the wrist for bad maths there, or bad statistics rather. Um, but uh, I suspect if you did that for most sides of any now album or most discs of any now album, you'd probably get a much higher figure. That doesn't make it bad though as we'll find out when we talk about this. But we're not going to talk about track one, are we? Because we've already covered that on a previous show, Two Unlimited Tribal Dance. And we called out Terry Starr for putting Two Unlimited as track one. And here it is again. Ashley's done the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Never mind. But we'll uh, unlike Two Unlimited, we're not going to repeat ourselves over and over again. Let's move on to track <laughs> two. It's Robin S and uh, Love for Love, which I would file under my uh, favourite category of dance, Dance Fodder. Uh I like this much more than I like Show Me Love. Um, I don't know why. Uh, I I liked it more at the time, I think, so I've been consistent at least over the years. Uh, it sounds similar, but it's just got something different about it that, that makes me love it a bit more. Um, speaking of love, um, her first two hits had love as the third word in a three-word title. As soon as she stopped that, she stopped having top 40 hits. She should have done another, another one with love at the end. That would have sorted it. Yeah, like... Um, Somebody to love. <laughs> she's like that guy from the Bible who chopped his hair off. Samson, that's yes, the one. Yes, that's the one. But not Daz Samson. No. I think we're digressing. We are. So let's digress no more. Sybil, When I'm Good and Ready, is track three, and we already chatted about that. So uh, we've got something else coming up in a bit. When was Paul Weller at his best? 
Bear in mind, if you say the jam, you're basically condemning nearly 40 years of work as not improving, which is an awful thing to do to a person. So think carefully before you pass judgment, which you do at the Oblong Desk on social media. Coming up, Noakes offers up some tracks that didn't make it onto Now 25. We also review the artists that didn't get onto another Now album ever again, and we pick our favourites from this one. Also, these things are said. I mean, for example, it would have been lovely if he'd uh, put back in the lines, uh, all that starting and stopping, stopping and starting, who do you think you are, Joe Stalin? It's basically somebody who just really wanted to be a new kid on the block and couldn't be, they wouldn't let him in it. Strap yourself in for disc two, track four now, and an offering from the other Minogue. It's Oblong Desk and it's me, Noakes and John reviewing Now 25. We're on disc two, we're on track four and you just heard a bit of it. It was Danny Minogue and this is it. It isn't, you know. <laughs> no. uh, there's an argument to be made that Danny was talented enough to survive without clinging on to Kylie's name and her coattails at every opportunity. But it is an argument that you would lose spectacularly. This, I think, and we've already just heard the quality of it, this is probably one of her finest efforts, and that's pretty much sums up Danny's career. She doesn't have the greatest voice, and again, I think she thinks that talent is somehow genetic in some way because it never stopped her putting herself forward and having a go. I think she had a few decent hits a little bit later down the line. Um, Some of her... 2000s ones were pretty good this isn't the worst 70s cover she ever did um it's not even the worst 70s cover on here but um, yeah i'm not overly keen it was one of the three top 10 hits that i mentioned a little while back number 10 so it just sneaked into the uh, the upper reaches and it's all right um and the same can probably be said of track Five, which is the time frequency, the ultimate high. Um, Identikit time frequency track number two. Um, we played it a hell of a lot at the time, and I seem we to did. remember we quite loved it as well. It's sort of anthemic. Yeah, yeah last time we talked about them, I, I sort of mentioned that they sounded a little bit like Entrance, and you could well imagine Entrance doing this as well. For me, I don't know what it is, it sounds a little bit dated now in a way that maybe set you free doesn't. I'm really sorry, Time Frequency, that I keep comparing you to Entrance. It's not fair. This is absolutely fine. Yeah, it's decent enough. I mean, I don't like it as much as I did at the time. Um, like you say, maybe a bit dated, but certainly not the most dated on this album by any means. We'll come to that shortly. Um, but before we do that, uh, track six, Do You Really Want Me by John Cicada. Now, there's always a surprise on each album and I would say this was it for me the booklet um, has an incorrect fact so let me 
um, put that to rights. Yeah, I know. Disgraceful. Uh, I don't think we can blame Ashley for that, though. I don't think he necessarily wrote them. Maybe he did. The booklet says it's his third hit. Uh, it wasn't. It was his fourth hit. They seem to have forgotten one of them. Probably Do You Believe in Us, which was very forgettable. Uh, this one only got to number 30. You could argue this is pretty forgettable as well, but do you know what? It's much better than I remembered. It's not a bad song at all. Um, he actually doesn't do bad songs. If you're talking about... You know, how they're constructed, how they're sung. It all comes down to a question of when you listen to them, do you like them? And uh, and do you really want me? No, I don't. Okay. Now, now we've got something that is, I think, pretty terrible on track seven. Uh, Kim Wilde, If I Can't Have You, her biggest hit since 1989 and her last top 40 single. Um, and, well, maybe maybe the production is the reason why. Two words for it, awful and cheap. And it could be anyone singing it as well. The fact it's Kim Wilde makes it, for me personally, a nicer thing. To me, it only reaches the heights of acceptable, I suppose. I don't know. Is, certainly... it, is it, though? I mean, you you had this, Danny Minogue, and you also had Taylor Dane doing Can't Get Enough of Your Love in the charts at the same time. Three covers of 70s songs by female artists. This was by far the weakest, I would say. I just don't mind Kim Wilde, even when she's doing things that aren't very good. That's probably, uh, okay. again, my thought. Right. It's by far and away not her finest and as you say the whole cheapness around it i would absolutely agree with it does sound like it was knocked up in five minutes and then they all went and did some gardening or something let's move on to track eight which we are going to have a heated debate about I believe, because (laughs) I'm going to fly in the face of logic and say that this isn't sacrilege. It is East 17's version of the Pet Shop Boys West End Girls, and I can already start to feel certain people's blood getting pressurised and boiled. But for me, they do a reasonable job here. You can see why some East End boys from the East End might feel justified in covering it, so I think fair enough. I think Tony Mortimer does, and I think this is possibly where we're going to disagree, I think he actually adds something to the rap. I think he gives it an edge and a sense of realism about what being an East End person, I think he actually takes that and adds, as we've already discussed, he's got some intelligence as a songwriter, but also as a performer. I like the rap. And I think that Brian Harvey does not ruin the chorus either. So overall, whilst... The original is a absolute nailed-on classic. I think this is sufficiently different and interesting to make it worthwhile. Over to you to disagree. Well, that's a magnificent defence, I have to say. Um, the rap, yes, I don't have a problem with as such. Um, it is a disappointment to me, even to this day, that they didn't uh, reinsert some of the lines lost when they did the hit single version, The Pet Shop Boys. I mean, for example, it would have been lovely if he'd uh, put back in the lines, uh, all that starting and stopping, stopping and starting, who do you think you are, Joe Stalin. That would have been nice to have that back in there. Completely irrelevant to uh, to 1993, but there you go. Um Well, I guess it was always going to happen, this, for two reasons. One, you've already covered, you know, East End Boys and all that kind of thing. Um, And the fact that Tom Watkins managed E17 and had, I don't think he was at that point, but had managed the Pet Shop Boys. Um, So 
you know, I, I can see why it exists. That doesn't mean I have to like it. Uh, I don't. But I don't think I've ever thought it was sacrilege. Maybe I did at the time, actually, thinking back. But I'm kind of okay about it now in terms of it being there. I just really don't think it's very good. Sorry. Okay. I mean, I certainly prefer the Pet Shop Boys version, but I, I, if you're going to cover something, I think you should add something to it and or it's take different. it in a different yeah, direction. It, yeah, it is, it is different. It yeah, does I'll give that. You that. Track 9 isn't, though. Track 9 <laughs> is basically somebody who desperately wanted to be in New Kids on the Block and couldn't <laughs> be. They wouldn't let him in. It's Joey Lawrence and Nothing My Love Can't Fix. <clears throat> it's very New Kids, isn't it? Um, he was apparently in the American TV comedy series Blossom. No, me neither. Um, amazing. No, I watched that. Did I, you? I, I watched that. Yes, yeah. Was it any good? It, uh, no, but it was you know a typical kind of teens hey, high school thing. Get was it? Us. Uh, it was set at home, um, oh. and it had it. it the, the blossom it refers to was a uh, teenage girl who had, a, as I remember, a rather large nose the actress i don't, don't hold that against her well it, I, it wasn't inoffensive i was just about to say blossom sounds like the name for a horse but now you've said that perhaps that uh, that uh, that tells us all we need to know anyway let's go back to the the song before we uh, we slander any more people um that uh, that song is very new kids um amazingly i was quite surprised about this when i looked it up he had another hit so he's not a one-hit wonder just the two mind naturally no more than that yeah i mean if you like new kids you'll probably like this and certainly that was the market they were going for i didn't really ever like new kids and i can quite easily leave him prancing around on a beach and trying to look cool and sexy not not targeted at me no no and, I, and therefore not surprisingly i don't particularly enjoy it but i'm sure it had its market somewhere let's play track 10 which is i think possibly one of the strangest songs you will ever hear so it's still love and everything's going and everything's flowing and he calls me up and he says my sister's coming so i share a good time i mean she wasn't that groovy or anything right but at the end of the weekend, we go to my parents' house for dinner, and the family's there, and she gets out the family snacks, like you do. And everyone's looking, you know, not really looking. And she passes them around, and she shows a picture of their mom, and a picture of their dad, and a picture of the family dog, and a picture of his kids, and a picture of his wife. But I still loved him. Track 10 on disc 2 of Now 25. You just heard a snippet of it. That was Effua with Somewhere, a big favourite of a certain person who was on in the morning on the radio. Morning Loves. That I can't do a Simon Bates impression. That's as good as I'm going to get. No, and there was only me and him that liked <laughs> yeah. this. No one no, else No, I liked did, it. I, no, I, I really liked this and played it as well. Probably not as much as you, but I did play it. Yeah, I think it's really different. It's clever and quirky. It's, you know, you don't hear storytelling like this done particularly. I mean, some songs they do it, but it tends to be more like country and western songs and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You very rarely hear rap where it's just like a tale told to music, but with a really catchy chorus. Um, it's a mystery to me why more people didn't get hold of this and buy it and stuff like that because it, it, it is just really as I say different and 
stands out even to this day. You can lob it on and it still sounds funny and clever and one of life's great mysteries. Yeah, it is a bit because um, it wasn't just um, Lord Bates playing it on the radio. There were there were other plays on uh, on national radio as well as I think some commercial, but probably less so. Probably a little bit too weird for commercial radio, I guess. Um, she's Mrs. Jazzy B, by the way. Did you know that? I did see that, and now yeah. doing um, online fitness apparently uh, yeah. videos and stuff yeah. like that. Mind you, isn't, isn't everybody? Well, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the, she um, get in within the circle and they can re-release yes. sweat. <laughs> yes, with Mr. Motivator added into the uh, the equation, perhaps. Um, so, yeah, the booklet for this says, had reached number 46 by the 11th of July. So Ashley was giving it a push. He's thinking, oh, it's, it's going to sneak in. And he got to number 42. But of the three non-hits on this album, it is by far and away the best of those and I'm really glad it did get on here because you know it's another one of those a snapshot of the time I think most people who pick up this album even if they look at the track listing and go don't know what that is they'll stick it on and go oh yeah I remember this it's one of those isn't it whether you loved it or hated it I think you remember it if you were around at the time obviously so um yeah I I really like it I still like it I wouldn't want to listen to it very often but in the middle of this album yeah why not does the job for me Makes me smile every time it comes on. Surprising that she wasn't more successful. Hmm. Sade was pretty successful, though, as a recording artist, and uh, still going strong in 1993. I really like No Ordinary Love, which is track 11. Um, it's a kind of after-dinner song, and I think pretty pretty cool. I, I never really got on with Sade from the beginning. It's just a bit too jazz club coffee bar music for me it doesn't do much for me it's yet another reissue we've had quite a lot of these number 26 the year before number 14 this time round and i think from recollection um i think that's because it was on the soundtrack to the film sliver along with lots of other um songs that were hits around the same time i think that's why it got a re-release so it did better second time around uh of course if you're from stoke and you're presenting a chart show you might want to pronounce that film sliver yes that did actually happen um but uh, oh bless him <laughs> yeah i know um but for me it's just snoozy time i'm afraid not helped by the fact that it's followed up by a track that is potentially even duller from my point of view track 12 this i swear by richard derbyshire formerly of living in a box um his solo debut written with lisa stansfield but obviously this is one she didn't fancy recording and just threw out to him instead because it's not very good I i was genuinely going to listen to this one genuinely to remind myself but then I ran out of socks and I had to do an emergency <laughs> sock wash, and so I never got round to listening to it. I'm sure that it's absolutely average. Oh, it's worse than average. It's 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 below par, I would say. It's um it's another pre-release punt, uh, one that didn't come off clearly because it got to number fifty. I'd argue it was lucky to get there. He never had any solo hits, and clearly he was given some duff material. I think he's a fine singer. Um, I think some living in a box songs are, are very very good. Um, but no, this is just extremely average. So he was very lucky to appear on a, on this uh, now twenty five then from the sounds of it, and uh, doesn't seem like he appeared anywhere else. I feel we've got a feature coming up. 
Ah, yes, we have. Thank you for the prompt, yes. It's time for Now Where Else, where I give you a rundown of all the artists who appear on this Now album in the main series. They may have appeared on, you know, spin-offs like Now Dance or whatever. Um, One time only. We've got ten on this one, which is quite a high proportion. And they are in order. Four non-blondes, Gloria Gaynor, Inner Circle, Kingmaker, The Time Frequency, Joey Lawrence, Efua, Sade, Richard Dunn, Derbyshire and We Three. No great surprises there really to be honest. Gloria Gaynor obviously had most of her hits before Now started. Sade was always traditionally a hits artist rather than a than a Now artist. Um, there's only one one-hit wonder amongst the lot of them and that's Four Non Blondes but there's two no-hit wonders. There's a first, F1 and Richard Derbyshire. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, there you go. Um, track 13 is Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. I've given them their yeah. full Sunday name with Dream of Me, brackets based on love theme, brackets off. Mm. Another. It's nice to credit your work. It is, it is. It's another almost 70s cover this because it uses bits of love's theme by the Love Unlimited Orchestra, which was uh, Barry White's backing band. Um, and. I think it does something quite good with it, actually. They've um, spun another song out of it. This was another pre-release track. This one did make the top 40, but I think, on balance, deserved to do a bit better than number 24, which is where it peaked. I've always quite liked this. I think it's a nice little song. Uh, I like OMD anyway, so I pretty much all of their singles, I would say, I enjoy, with a couple of exceptions. And um, given that they're a Virgin EMI artist again... Pretty much a shoe-in for the album, regardless of where this has got to, I would say. Yeah, I, I blow hot and cold on OMD, and I find that really weird, because some days I will throw on some of their tracks, and I'm really in an OMD mood. And then other days, I'll go, why do I even own this? And I don't know what it is about the songs at all. I think maybe it's something to do with the fact that they are very immediate pop songs. And sometimes I'm in the mood for a bit of an immediate pop song got those really clever hooks that grab you in you don't have to think too hard to to sort of get into them and um other days i'm in the mood for something a bit more complex and i go not having this today but yeah like you say i think this is a really really good song Uh, they are good songwriters and um not one you hear from omd an awful lot it tends to be like these days it tends to be in, if, if stations are going to go with one of the later things, it tends to be sailing on the seven seas. Yeah, and yeah, the the album uh, which was I think was it Liberator? I think it was called Liberator. Um, wasn't a big success. The first single was Stand Above Me, which I quite liked, but Millions didn't. It wasn't a big enough hit, really. That missed the top 20 as well. And um, I think that scuppered everything else, really, for that album. I think the record company just thought, fine. They're going down the dumper, to use the popular phrase, and we just won't bother promoting them. And it was kind of downhill from there, really, for the rest of the 90s, I think. Someone's going to tell me I'm wrong. Oh, no, there was one more big hit, wasn't there, later in the 90s, I've just remembered, that OMD had, which we will be covering later on. Suddenly sprung to my mind. Um, But there wasn't much left to come for them in the 90s, really. So, yeah, it's nice that it's here, I think. Yeah. And as one career slides into the twilight, the very next track sees the start of a new one. Mm-hmm. 
on disc 2 of Now 25 is You Are The Best Thing you just heard some of that from D-Ream a reissue again though I don't think many will have noticed it got to number 72 in the charts the year before that's a remix it got to number 19 I bought it at the time I adored it at the time Uh, we'll encounter it again further down our journey but for me the original version well no the original version was the one that flopped but this version is the best of the lot and uh, as you say the beginning of their career they'd they'd had the first version of things can only get better come out which chopped the spoken intro off the start completely no one ever you never hear that version anymore it's almost impossible to get hold of it um that had done reasonably well this one was their breakthrough really i love this bit um i think things can only get better gets a little bit overplayed and particularly with the whole let's not even go there the whole Tony Blair debacle but this one it's got, it's got a really nice breakdown it's got some very very nice keyboards in it and I'm going to flag up the uh, the fact everyone knows about D-Ream but just in case you didn't know the fact about D-Ream uh, the keyboardist who was doing those very nice things was none other than Professor Brian Cox hurrah um, <laughs> hurrah for him so it just goes to show you can be a um, astrophysics genius and still play a keyboard. It's fine to do both. The man deserves some sort of higher honour. He's a national treasure. Indeed, and with our old friend Brian May being present on this album as well, we have two astrophysicists featured amongst the track listing, which is very unlikely, isn't it? Um, Dara O'Brien not present, but uh, no, it's uh, it's brilliant. I still love it, and I tell you what I like, and and you'll know more about whether this has a name because you you know about how music works more than I do. The thing I like is the lead up to the chorus when um, Peter Cunners sings the line love will be so and at the point he says true and is going down the scale the female vocalists come in up the scale with true into that kind of upbeat chorus and the way the two kind of intersect is really really well done you don't even notice that he's actually not singing the true line at first because your instinct is that he's going to go back up um the musical scale to sing that bit if you know what i mean does that make sense I absolutely know what you mean, and I'm sure there is a word for it, um, which I don't know. I'll look it up. Um, I want to say counterpoint, but I don't think it is. No. Write in. Tell. No, no, don't write in. Uh, email in or message in and tell us. What's that word? On to track 15, which is called Caught in the Middle and comes from Juliet Roberts, not Julia, Juliet. Um, she had been in the Funk Masters, who got to number 10 with It's Over. Um, and this was another pre-release, another one that got to number 24, like OMD. That's, uh, that's two in quick succession. And another one, like D-Ream, that got remixed and will be returning to later on, on the same Now album, I think, from memory. Um, in terms of the track itself... It's fine. It's one of those kind of vaguely euphoric 
club anthems with a, a good female vocal. She's a good vocalist. Um, it's not one of my favourites, but it's perfectly fine. I think Caught in the Middle sums it up perfectly. Caught in the Middle of the Road of dance music and another one that i'm going to just pop into my fodder box <laughs> this must be getting quite full now. <laughs> yes it is uh there, there needs to be something it, it doesn't have that certain je ne sais quoi to lift it out and make it you know i mean there's tons of dance music around at all times and if you're in the moment you need you know current stuff to listen to in the clubs and the vast majority of it is there for that purpose only, just to be there at the time. So you've got something current and exciting to listen to. Yeah. It, gets, it fades from mem- fades from memory, and I would argue that this is exactly one of those songs. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, certainly it was, and probably still is, a big club favourite, because it turns up on mix albums, you know, old school mix or Ibiza mix or whatever it might be, quite a lot. So I think in terms of clubs, it's very well known. Um, but uh, yeah, as you say, to listen to, not quite as an exciting experience as it could be. Um, so let's play some of the next one then, shall we? Break from the old routine by We Three is track 16. I'm disinclined to let the dust settle. Now it's time for us to grasp the metal. Let's strike a blow against tedium. Maybe you and me can strike a happy medium. I don't know where spontaneity went, but we are never impulsive to the same extent. Once upon a way back when I was king, now I need a break from the old routine. What do you mean we need a break from the old routine? We need a break from the old routine. What do you mean we need a break from the old routine? Ah, you know what I mean. What do you now, mean we need now. a break from the old routine? We need a break from the old routine. What do you mean we need a break from the old routine? We need a break from the old routine. It's our long desk. And we're looking at now 25's hits. We've reached disc two, track 16, which is We Three and Break from the Old Routine, which I really like. Um, and I liked a lot of what We Three did at the time. The guy who was doing the main raps had an intelligence to it. It had a message. I'm very much in favor of things that aren't all about people being into club or with their homies and pimping their rides and repeat their 5.0s drop tops down or whatever and and yeah we three have a message to tell us and they do it in a, a very pleasant way and the female vocals which normally take over for the chorusy bits uh, they are also very good as well it's a nice tune yeah i think it's good um i liked all of we three's uh, two hits i think i think there was only this and then for what it's worth in two different forms um which was a similar kind of idea that song and i don't think the others made the top 40 but um yeah it, it's good i i liked it at the time i still like it now i wouldn't put it in the very top drawer of songs on this album but uh, again it uh, certainly has its place here uh, that did get in the top 20 i think so um yeah fair enough i i don't see why we can't have that on here as we get to um, the back end of the album it gets a little bit edgy doesn't it oh yes now then kids are you ready for some slayer because we've got some
That was track 17 on disc 2 of now 25, Utah Saints with I Want You. A pre-release track again, there are quite a few on here, as you've probably noticed by now quite rightly on here as it was probably expected to do better than it did just number 25 which is a big come down from their previous hits which were all huge um i really like this i think it's quite different from their other stuff for one thing it's got a sample that isn't as obvious you've already told us where where that comes from um and for another it's a little bit more edgy and hard isn't it than a kind of commercial dance sound yeah and i mean i can remember at the time listening to simon mayo almost pre-warning his breakfast show listeners it's not the most radio friendly thing and i think that may be why it hasn't done as well as other utah saints songs also they don't mention that they're utah saints in it once which must confuse people because they'd have been used to that by now however i think it's an absolutely brilliant track i love what they've done i i, I went and listened to the original slayer track mm-hmm. out of research <laughs> purposes and to be honest it scared me Yes, they, I mean, they yeah, do I like tend to. Think, to yes. I, like, I like to think that I'm fairly unflappable and will take in, you know, give any musical genre a go, but genuinely terrified after about two minutes of it. Um, so they've calmed it down, they've slowed it down a little bit, and they've taken the most musical bit of the uh, Slayer original. And done what Utah Saints do, which is to tweak some samples, stick them over a dance beat, and produce something that's incredibly danceable and incredibly listenable to. And, as I say, because it is a bit different, because you don't tend to hear thrash metal on dance tracks, I like it for that. It's quirky and it's different. Yeah, and it was their last really good track. Um, The next one to come along was um, I Still Think of You, which I don't think had any prominent samples in it and suffered for that. That was a very small hit. And then a um, little bit further down the line, they did one called Ohio, which sampled um, Jocelyn Brown, Nobody Else's Guy, and something else that I've forgotten. It had two samples. It was almost an attempt to do another What Can You Do For Me? And it got to just outside the top 40. Uh, so it's almost like they had their time and this was kind of the end of it, really. Yeah. We've moved on now to the final track on Now 25, and Jesus Jones are here with a song called Zeros and Ones, which is, as you would expect, about this marvellous thing that's going to change our lives called the internet. Is it? Is it about that, or is it just about digital stuff in general? Well, all right then. <laughs> but, you know, they were they were talking about sending information, and you can't do that on a True. calculator. True. They would have been thinking of a megabyte modem, probably, or something along those lines, I suspect. But, yeah, um, I'm going to file this one in my little personal record of Songs on Now albums, under Jones, Jesus, obviously. Uh, this was another small hit, number 30, um, the third single from the album, and the weakest, I think. I much preferred The Devil You Know, and uh, the right decision i thought they were better radio friendly songs this is a little bit too loud and weird and doesn't really do it for me see i don't mind it at all i think it's uh, i'm going to completely disagree i think it's the (laughs) best of those three um there's something there's something nice about it it's got a quality hook to it so yes to hear it again was uh, was a pleasant surprise and i'd forgotten that actually i did enjoy it quite a lot at the time as well can't remember everything this 
No, and um, it's certainly not, to go back to the point I made a while ago, the worst side of a Now album ever. Um, I would say, yes, there are lots of songs that didn't make the top 20 here, but of those, only Richard Derbyshire is completely risible. I would say the rest at least have some kind of reason to be there. And also, I think there's a much worse one to come in the future, but we'll uh, we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, We've got to have a look now at the tracks that weren't on here, haven't we? Now we've got to the end. Yes, we have. Uh, look what you could have won. What have you got for me? I will tell you, John, album? we have five songs for consideration. Not many, um, and I suspect some of these at least were prevented from being on here by rights issues. I was looking at the charts that were around when this album was released. There are six new entries from the weekending 17th of July 93 chart, um, which was, what, only a week or so before this came out. It almost feels like there was a last minute wait for some songs to be cleared and that Ashley had to go back to the chart and think oh hang on I need to pick some more that may be another reason why there's some smaller hits on here the highest new entry in that chart week was at number one from a band who'd been on now before but wouldn't feature until the next one one of those number ones I mentioned that was uh, not on here so I think there's rights issues uh, around a few of these but see what you think um, here's one that would have fitted in quite well at the end of the disc and together with the likes of um, Jesus Jones Depeche Mode Walking in My Shoes um, which was the follow up to I Feel You only got to number 14 but uh, you know uh, an artist who'd been on the previous Now album it's nowhere near as good as I Feel You um, however there's a little bit in there's a little bit in the chorus. There's a little bit of a key change in the chorus that really, really I really like, um, and for that reason I'm going to put it on my consideration pile. I think it's certainly better certainly better than some of the things yeah i i prefer it to i feel you actually um the next one i don't think you're going to agree with and this also and i only realized this when i was looking at things the other day and doing research was on a soundtrack which may be why it wasn't chosen again an artist that was on the previous now album brian ferry and his cover of will you love me tomorrow uh as i previously said when we were looking at now 24 i really love this i I don't think you do, though. Oh, no, absolutely not. All right, that was uh, that was quick. Um, the next one, I think, is the biggest surprise. I think we can give this the why on earth isn't this here, regardless of whether we think it's the best track that should have been on here or not. Pet Shop Boys, now regulars, part of the Virgin EMI stable. Can you forgive her? Okay, number seven, not their biggest hit, but still top ten hit. How on earth did this not get on here? It's mystifying. It was an interesting period, I think, in the Pet Shop Boys' life, and it's not my favourite period of their oeuvre. Oh. However you say that, I'm, I'm not French. <laughs> oeuvre. <laughs> um, oeuvre. Uh, anyway, there was something, they went really back to sort of old school, and there was a lot of orchestra hits in the songs. You know, It was sort of 80s-ish. Yeah. They kind of went back yeah. to that. And, and for me, it was a little bit cheap and easy. Um I don't mind Can You Forgive Her, and you're, you're right, it's a massive surprise that they're not on here. So I, I like it. Um, I, I like the album very, in general. Uh, you obviously don't, because it's, it's not your kind of thing, and it's very, very different to behaviour, um, deliberately so. 
but uh, I do like Can You Forgive Her, and if nothing else, it's got the line Cricket Pavilion in it, so for that reason alone, it should be here. Um, and next for consideration, I've got two big hits. Um, the next one, can't remember what record label he was on, possibly they didn't have the rights to this one, Hadaway and What Is Love, one of the biggest hits of the summer, number two. Mysterious that it's not on there. You say it must be rights issues. I think so. It's just such a now song yeah it is isn't it it's popular it's not challenging in any way (laughs) do do you know what i mean it's just just one of those things you'd expect it it was definitely a part of that summer it's iconic and why is it not here um last last one then another number two track um this one turns up later so this is unusual in the fact that we do get it eventually on the next one but it had already been and gone in the charts by the time this album was out she was another virgin emi uh stable artist she had been on now albums uh, before janet jackson that's the way love goes i'm not sure why we needed to wait till the christmas one to hear that i'm not sure whether it was being held back uh it didn't appear on any other compilations outside of the virgin emi label as far as i'm aware at the time so yeah it's a bit weird as if ashley was holding a few back for christmas perhaps he was well if you've got janet jackson in your stable um you're probably going to want to release her at the right moment uh, i'm going to therefore because she does appear later i'm going to therefore park that as a possible okay. one for this one uh, and that's the way love goes i don't think is her at her best no me neither so out of the four then if we're dismissing that one quite rightly i think the fact that it does turn up eventually you can tell i had slim pickings here that i had to go for one of those in my five um regardless of which one we think probably should be on here which i think you could argue a case for pet shop boys or hadaway which one would you like to have been on here um of these i'm going to pick the pet shop boys and i'm going to say hadaway should have been on there above the pet shop boys if you had to pick one that should have been on there hadaway Pet Shop Boys for me is my personal favourite of those two, but they are head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah, and I would say um, both should have and favourite go to Pet Shop Boys for me. One of the easiest decisions yet. We need to pick a favourite, don't we? And actually, um, and again, this is indication that the album's nowhere near as bad as people say it is. Um, quite a few good ones on here for me. Uh, quite a difficult choice. So I'll let you go first, I think. As usual, I get to dive in there first. And for me, it's an equally difficult choice. I'm going to just pick out um, that Utah Saints, for me, just hasn't quite aged as well as I'd like it to have done. And there are occasions where I can skip it now. So that's gone. Duran Duran, I would pick if I hadn't picked them before. Again, as you say, Commandant is a superb song and really strong. Lucha de Michi won. The only reason I'm not picking that is because it's a cover. And I think that overall, it's got to be Ethua and somewhere because I think it's pretty unique, criminally overlooked at the time. Go and listen to it now. Stick it on, everybody. Go and, put, go and find a copy of it. Stick it on. Have a listen and tell me it's not brilliant. 
That's fair enough. I think that's a good choice. Uh, Ephra would be one of my favourites on the list as well, along with some of the ones you've mentioned, actually. Duran Duran are very unlucky because they were very close for me as well. Um, And uh, Freddie Mercury, I said, I really like. The OMD track is a good one. Um, For me, and it's more about memories, really, uh, of the time, I always associate this time in my head with D-Reams, You Are The Best Thing. So I am going to go with that. And it's a fine song. I've just realised that we never mentioned Ace of Bass in all of that as well, which is a colossal song and was, and was a very big part of our lives, but such is life. So I think, yeah, when people say that this was a poor album, they're absolutely wrong. There's some real corkers and some really interesting stuff on now, 25. Yeah, totally agreed. Um, 26, we may not feel quite the same about. It's the Christmas, here's a grab bag of stuff we haven't already featured during the year, and a few tracks from uh, nearer the time. We'll come to that in due course. We've got uh, another couple of hits albums. So hopefully uh, you'll join us soon to review some of those. In the meantime, John, you can tell us again how the listener can get in touch. There are many ways, and we've tried to make them as simple as possible for you. If you'd like to send us a message on social media, whichever social media that is, it's now at the Oblong Desk, and that will reach us, and we can read that there. Our website is oblongdesk.podbean.com, and there you can find, as we mentioned at the top of the show, loads of stuff to do, but chiefly to download and like and follow and share our podcast around with your friends so that more and more people can grow to love the desk that's oblongdesk.podbean.com thank you very much so um that's your lot for this edition hope you enjoyed our trawl through now 25 and we'll talk to you again soon bye Oblong Desk is brought to your ears by Noakes and John Tyndall with original music by John. Like, subscribe and share and never miss an episode at oblongdesk.podbean.com. Oblong Desk.